Hello and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines with myself, Gary Middleton, and special guest today, Adam Berry, um, lead YDP and coach education analyst at Rangers FC Academy. Uh, Adam, great to, great to have you on uh, on from the sidelines today. Uh, can you just let everyone know your current role at Rangers and, and what that entails? Yeah, so as, as my title says, I'm the lead YDP analyst. So I oversee the under nines through to the under 16s um, in terms of the analysis provision. Um, my primary team I work with is the under 16s, but obviously it's my job to su- kind of supervise and oversee to make sure the rest of the age groups get that full coverage. Um, what's, what's, what I personally find cool about my job is that I've got a hybrid role alongside it, which is um, coach development, which is where the coach education analysis kind of comes into it. Um, so alongside obviously working with player development, I actually support coach development. Um, so I mainly do this through coach reports, a thing we call coach analysis, to kind of support that coach development process within the club. Yeah, sounds sounds great. And Adam, we're going to look at um, feedback and reflection uh, from a coach's point of view today. Um, just to get us started, um, general versus specific feedback as coaches how important is it for us to reflect on our personal performance do you think i think reflection is massive i think especially as me as an analyst especially quite young and early in my career it's really important for me to understand kind of what what works well for me in terms of kind of my personality and my delivery style when i'm doing analysis but i think as well as well as for coaches it's important for coaches to be able to coach within their kind of persona and their kind of style whilst also kind of doing doing kind of good I guess best practice things I think general versus specific feedback is something which is actually really valuable in getting a good balance um so at ranges we tend to say that a general approach is obviously positive and good and useful but it's more of a shotgun approach um any feedback might not hit the intended target it could it could end up being quite vague or it might lack in any detail or context Whereas a specific approach might be more like a sniper and you've probably got more chance of hitting that intended target. So, for example, um, some general feedback, um, which I, I see quite a lot, might just be, ah, oh, brilliant, well done. Whereas in re- when, on the other hand, specific feedback might be more, ah, oh, brilliant, Gary, well done. I love how your body will receive on the half turn. So it's name specific. So the person knows exactly that's targeted them. And it's also a little bit of detail so they actually know what they're actually doing right. I think that, that little bit of detail, Adam, probably adds to the learning of that, that individual as well, doesn't it? That they yeah, know exactly what they've done well uh, to continue to do that around that detail. Yeah, exactly. And on, on the flip side, if there's something maybe like a little coaching point which needs to go in, um, that's also an opportunity to actually get a coaching point across where it may not be negative, but it's more like a constructive piece of specific feedback as well. As we look at um, us as coaches striving to have that ball rolling time, uh, really high percentage within my sessions, so that the players are getting the maximum amount of time um, with the ball uh, for development and learning. Um, but we need to have a, a good percentage of active learning in there. So ball rolling time versus active learning time. Yeah, so I think ball run time is obviously important, especially, I guess this is where the difference between grassroots and kind of a professional club might 
might uh, differentiate things, especially with younger age groups and older age groups. I think borrowing time, certainly in the younger age groups, especially at grassroots, is really important because it does increase opportunity to practice, increases like the number of touches on the ball a player, a player will get, and um, it'll increase their engagement with the sport and with their coaches and peers, and it'll also increase potential for any physical improvements. But kind of on the flip side, especially maybe when you get to them older age groups, is they're actually just because they're playing football within a session, are they actually learning anything? So they'll be obviously developing their technical skills, but then little tactical and game understanding moments, are they actually picking them up? Or are they just kind of really just focused on actually just playing playing the game within the session? Yeah, Adam will look at skillful silence from a coach's point of view. What do we mean by that? Skillful silence is a funny one because it's one of the tools we encourage within Rangers for the coaches to use, but there's always a bit of, I don't want to say ambiguity, but a little bit of um, kind of misunderstanding of what it means. The coaches are always really intrigued by what it means. Uh, so skillful silence for us at Rangers means 30 seconds or more of purposeful silence within your practice. So there could be a moment within the practice, maybe at the game towards the end, when things are kind of whittling down towards the end of the session, where you might just take a step back from the session and just observe. And it's a brilliant opportunity to see how the players, one, kind of perform without you kind of barking at them a lot. And then also gives you an opportunity to maybe see something you might have missed, um, something you might have seen frequently happen throughout the session. It might give you an opportunity to watch an individual player um, maybe working on something you've you've asked them to do. And then that may be an opportunity where you can pull them over and have a little chat with them. Um, and again, it's just, it's kind of, I think as coaches, I think coaches really want to be involved in the session, which is brilliant. And that's obviously absolutely what you want. But I think sometimes it is good for them to take a step back. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree with you, Adam. Adam, we'll, we'll look at um, different coaches, different coaching styles uh, from us as coaches. And depending on what area we're coaching in will depend on what type of, what style, um, we're coaching basically and we, we we talk a lot about um coaching on the fly versus freezing teach so stop stand still um pros and cons around this uh and is there space for both um and i, I suppose your thoughts around whole group learning um as opposed to coaching the individual i think teaching on the fly is Obviously, it can be useful for team for team kind of coaching points, but I think it's really effective for individuals where maybe there's something happening, like the, the session's rolling, the practice is rolling, everything's going fine, but there may be just one player you just want to speak to. So being able to just have, have them come over, a little, little bit of a chat, you might use question and answer, um, might just ask them how, how they're getting on if you notice uh, like an issue or anything kind of like that, um, which then obviously keeps the ball rolling time up. And obviously, it doesn't disrupt the rest, rest of the session for the rest of the players. Whereas freeze and teach might be more useful if you can see a collective issue within the practice where multiple players are maybe having the same problem. That might be a good opportunity to go right. Everyone stop. Right, what's what's happening? Um, and then like kind of an opportunity to maybe fix anything which might be wrong, or kind of promote anything which is really good. Um, so I think there's definitely space for both. But I think. I think definitely teaching on the fly is definitely more effective for individual moments. 
and I think that that determines sort of the context of where you're coaching, doesn't it? As well, you know, whether that's in the in the younger age groups or in the uh, when we start getting into the youth development phase and and uh, and into senior football as well. Um, linking what we've just discussed there, does does that come down to our observation skills as a coach? And I suppose from your role as an analyst and observing this in a big way, how does that impact what you what you're seeing? Um, yeah, massively. I mean, observation is obviously a big part of being a coach is being able to spot the good things and the bad things. But I think you need to know what you're kind of looking for. I think with Rangers, we have a very clear game model and there's really clear like session session practices and aims and objectives. So I think. I think it's important to obviously kind of give players that wider bit of detail, but when they're doing a session on uh, counter-pressing, it's kind of important to really make sure that them, any observational moments are linked to that theme. And I think, again, looking at analysis, my analysis sessions, when I obviously uh, work alongside the coaches to deliver this to the players, I think it's important that my analysis also kind of comprehends with them themes. So that my, my observations from the game then kind of support anything which might happen in training and then also might support things which happen in a match day. So I think it's kind of that level of consistency of the observations really important. I think it's important that myself as an analyst and the coach are kind of on the same wavelength. And we have that relationship where I can go and say something to the coach and he'll go, you know, good, good, good spot, good spot. Or he might um, ask me a question on something. Um, I think it's just important that we're on that same wavelength, especially when we obviously want to avoid giving any kind of conflicting messages to players as well like we want to make sure it's all consistent and all all right and mm. um, you touched on on it just a little bit earlier there question and answer versus guided discovery um, again is there space for both and uh, depending on what age group you're working in and um, and what's it what what have you what have you seen again from your um observation of coaches at rangers yeah, I think um, I think it's important to know the difference between question and answer and guided discovery. Question and answer is very much a direct question which you kind of expect an answer from. I know it sounds really obvious, but so it could be like, Gary, what structure should we have here? And then you might go, oh, we need this and that. And it kind of probes a bit of learning, engages them. Whereas then guided discovery might be more useful when maybe the ball's rolling. So you might say something along the lines of Gary, uh, let's think about our let's think about our structure. So then you might start looking around, going, "Oh yeah, no, you're right. I need to I need to fix this." So it kind of prompts it prompts players that there's there's something they need to be aware of, but it's up to them to kind of work out what that might be. Um, so I think I think again that's obviously obviously something really important. And I suppose guiding the players to come up with their own answers. Yeah, I guess yeah. So I think obviously it's obviously like, like I say, it's, it's big for engagement. Um, we encourage kind of a balance between question and answer, guided discovery, and instruction. So there's no yeah. right or wrong way to use yeah. any and all of them. But I think the context on how they get used and coaches understanding why they've used these methods is really important. And um, we'll never say that one's more important than the other. Um, but again, like when we kind of go into these coaching discussions on the back of the reports and it might show that um one coach used loads of question and answer we, we'll ask the coach why why did you do that 
And as long as he kind of knows why he's done that, that's kind of what we want to do is kind of make them more self-aware. So. Yeah, and, and I think there's, there's there's a bit of that comes down to knowing your, knowing your players as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and knowing what you can get from different individuals um, and where that stretch and challenge comes in with them different individuals. Um, and, it's, and I think a good one as well with the, with the groups of players is peer, peer learning as well as you know getting them into little groups where uh, they might be stronger and weaker players that would come out of sort of a shell to, to discuss things openly but possibly discuss it with their peers. Yeah, definitely. I've got an example for that to be fair. Um, there was a there's one of the coaches he, he had a session and again this probably links back to ball rolling time and, and kind of active learning. Um, but the set the, the ball rolling time if you look at the session was probably really, really low, but arguably the active learning time was pretty good. So again, it's kind of getting that that balance. Um, so the kind of the scenario was there was one team who were doing really well in the session towards the end, and one team who were really struggling. Um, so the coach essentially kind of pulled them apart, had a word with them, and told 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 the the good team, so to speak, how uh, to give the the bad team coaching points. So essentially, the it was that PR and PR learning. They went back into the practice. So obviously they spent five minutes doing this, so it did really kill the ball rolling time. But they went back and they went back into the practice, and the team who was struggling started doing better. So he did it again, and they got even better, and they ended up pulling it back. So I think again that's that's a good it's a good example of kind of sacrificing maybe ball rolling time, but for the betterment of the practice and for their learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, give them a player's instruction, Adam. Isn't a negative trait? Absolutely not. I think there's just definitely again a place for it. It's understanding when, when to use it. Like like I say, we we really want to promote a balance of question and answer, guided discovery, instruction. Instruction, for example, might be more prominent with maybe out of possession stuff. I think at Rangers we really encourage our players in possession to be creative. So whilst we obviously work within the parameters of a game model, we don't want to bark at them too much when they're on the ball. Whereas off the ball, they maybe need a bit of guidance to maybe tell them where they need to be. For example, the under-13s moving from under-12s to under-13s, they move from like 9 aside to 11 aside. So that's a really big jump for them. So learning aspects of the game model in regards to how we press might tailor at the start more towards instruction because you, you literally need to tell players where they need to be because it's the kind of thing they you can't really get effective question and answer out of. Once you've kind of gave them that instruction, then you can question and answer with to reinforce learning. But again, it's it's kind of getting that balance, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it's a it's a it's a sort of balancing act, isn't it? Um, <coughs> do you see performance analysis uh, shifting more and more to coach development? I know within the professional um game uh vitally important for coach development you know to get that feedback get that analysis watch yourself back um do you see that coming more and more ads yeah definitely i mean i can think of a handful of clubs like like rangers who also do this um so obviously i'm in like a hybrid role so i i do it alongside being an analyst whereas there are some dedicated actual dedicated coach development analysts which is i think it shows really forward thinking 
I think it shows that performance analysis can not only just support players, it can support coaches. Mm-hmm. I think as key stakeholders within the club, as an analyst, as a coach, as sports scientists, physios and, and everyone involved, I think if we strive for, for kind of player development and players to constantly, constantly develop, I think we need to develop with them. So I think kind of giving coaches that opportunity, not only just for subjective opinion, but kind of any objective data which performance analysis can provide. So things like the ball rolling time, uh, the amount of engagements they've had and how their engagements look. I think I think that kind of gives coaches not an answer to measure their performance, but just a bit of extra context so that mm. they can maybe better understand how they coach. So again, it's trying to create them kind of more self-aware moments. Like I've had moments where I've shown a, a, like a coach the report and they're like, oh, my ball rolling time is so much lower than I thought it would be. Or, oh, I didn't think I used that much instruction. So again, mm-hmm. so it's not to hound them by any means. Yeah, it's just to kind of make them aware that all right, just 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 be maybe just be mindful. Or if they did use uh, instruction, or there was a lot of ball on time, it's important to understand why that might have happened. Yeah. Do you see offering coach analysis to coaches as a way of developing coaches? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think the key word there is offering. I think mm. it's, it really is an offer. If a coach doesn't really want it, that's that's fine. But it's but I, I want to make sure they fully understand what it is before kind of declining it. I don't want them to think it is an assessment. It's not an assessment. Like our coaches in the in the building are absolutely brilliant, but I want to help them can get better alongside the coach developer. Mm-hmm. So it really is an offer. We um we as a club, myself, Zeb Jacobs, the head of coaching, and Neil McIntosh, the coach developer, we have a focus group with some uh, other clubs around Europe, and um one of the clubs. In the uh, in Germany, um, they say so that they have a very good coach development uh, kind of process. Um, we've, we've we've shared ideas and discussed, and it's, it's been brilliant for kind of our development and their development. But he he says that it really is an offer. Like if if coaches aren't bothered, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of on them to to go to him. Whereas I think I want to encourage coaches, but if they don't want it, it is fine. It is honestly fine. But like I say, I want to make sure they fully understand what I can offer before they maybe make a decision on it. Yeah, I think from my point of view, we're always learning, aren't we? In life, you know, uh, whether whether that's in my profession or just in life in general. So, yeah, there's definitely definitely room for that. Um, Benchmarking is impossible. Context is king. I think you look at player development. So we we do do a lot of individual individual data collection and we try to benchmark and set targets for our players however I think when that comes into coach analysis it's actually it's maybe impossible is probably not the right word but it's very difficult because the context of every individual session the coach does matters so much and will sway numbers here and there you could do uh, five coach reports with a coach across the season and yeah you'll get some kind of maybe some patterns or trends but I think I don't think it's possible to kind of benchmark because Every single session requires has different context, which means it requires different needs, which may sway how the coach kind of delivers. Whether it's the theme, the weather, uh, the players available. Um, at, at the minute, we've had a lot of players moving up and down the age groups just due, due to different reasons. So, coaches' sessions at the minute have kind of been either really high numbered or really low numbered. So that again, that really needs to be taken into consideration. So again, like context for us is massively, massively important. 
Yeah. Um, Alan promoting self-aware coaches, coach analysis isn't an assessment, is it? No, not at all. Like I mentioned, it really is like it's just a method of providing objective data to the coaches so they can be more self-aware. Um, we, we, at the end of kind of discussions we have, we always try and set some targets based on, on, on the data, but the data isn't like the be all and end all. Like I say, it really is just about letting the coaches know kind of, I guess, reinforced style they think they're coaching or maybe give them a perspective to think, oh, actually, I'm, I maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not like how I thought I was, which yeah. isn't a bad thing by any means. Yeah. But it's it's obviously yeah I think I think self awareness is is really important and I like to think I'm very self aware I feel like I'm very open and honest about my things I'm good at and things I'm bad at so I think it's I think it's important that if you want to kind of develop you need to to have that honesty and awareness about yourself yeah. like know on the things you want to work on but not only that being able to get actually some objective data to back that up is yeah is really important yeah I think you're right I think it's it's one of them you. You think you're doing something. Um, your traits might be different to what you actually perceive they are. And with that evidence um, that we're talking about today, that can have a positive effect, but also on the stuff that maybe is a little bit negative. It's areas of improvement to make us better at what we're doing to ultimately give the players that first-class environment and the best opportunity for them to learn and continue to love the game, isn't it? Absolutely. I think I think that also comes from a kind of culture from from the top as well. The, the, the culture within Rangers Academy at the minute is fantastic. There's there's so many learning opportunities for players and now there's like kind of learning opportunities for coaches as well. It's just, it's it's a, it's a really good place to, to like kind of be at the minute um, in terms of kind of creating that really positive and rich learning environment. Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you very much. Really intriguing uh, to listen to you and sharing your knowledge today uh, on the topic. And we wish you well at Rangers Academy. Brilliant. Cheers, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Ads.